The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, joined tonight first by Greg Ducharm. Gregor, it's good to see you. What's going on, Rick? Uh, nice to see you, KP. Nice to see you. Uh, really nice week in Mayakoba. It was uh, it was really fun to watch. Uh, Greg also got a Jets double-digit underdog straight-up win against those uh, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, Congrats. it didn't feel good going into it. It didn't feel good for much of the game. I mean, you just when you play against the Bills, you just feel like they're going to score every th- on every possession. Like they get the ball with the Jets score um, at the end of the first half, and you're think there's 30 seconds left, and you're like, all right, is it going to be a touchdown or a field goal? Are we going to give up a touchdown or a field goal? What, there's 30 seconds left in the game. They happen to miss a field goal, but it was um, you know that. That's the feeling you have when you play the Bills. So it's great to get a win against them. Uh, Kyle Porter is here. KP, is there any fandom that you have that would allow you to jump through a table? Is that what Greg did? No, that's no, that's the Bills I Mafia. I hope so. oh. that's what the that's what the Bills fans do, right? They hop on top of their RVs, uh, they they lay out the the plastic or the wooden tables, and they just. Drop the elbow on it. No, there's not. Uh, maybe if my eight-year-old son won his flag football playoffs, I would I would do something like that. He didn't. Uh, he he. Uh, it, they they lost their in the first round, so there was no jumping through tables this weekend. Uh, the Phillies lost. Yeah. What what do you do? You want to apologize for anything, or are you good? No. <laughs> I would never. No, uh, this, no, I mean, I'm pretty satisfied, quite honestly. This, it, this, it was, I watched most of this for sure. I watched most of the World Series, which I don't, I don't watch much baseball at all. I rarely watch the playoffs of the World Series. I was really into it. I think the, I thought both teams were this, I don't know. You guys might disagree. I thought both teams were fairly likable. I like Bryce Harper. Um, the Astros, like the, uh, what's the shortstop saying? Pena. I thought he was very likable. I, I don't know. It was just, it was really fun to watch baseball again. Cause I haven't watched it in, in a number of years. So I thoroughly enjoyed the, uh, the world series. Uh, likable is not usually a word that gets thrown around with the Houston Astros, but no, <laughs> right, Greg, right. That's usually like, uh, that's, that's the op. That's the opposite angle most I, I just i like the comeback you know with uh, on the other side of all this and it maybe it's just because i'm so far removed from it i'm not a real fan at all of baseball um but when you see a story like that and i, I saw um this morning on sports center they were going through all the guys that were still on that team and how they had how, to how many are work there's not that many guys that are still on the from the no 20s. it was like what four guys yeah okay um, yeah, I, I and I think that's the that's sort of what I'm where I'm coming at it from. Greg is like I don't I wasn't watching in what was it 2017 or whatever. Right. I just don't really like I was just coming at it from a fresh 2022 perspective, and uh, I mean both teams had some unlikable guys, but I think for the most part it was I don't know it was just it was 
fun to watch. The Philly center fielder is kind of a lot to deal with. Marsh. There's, uh, yeah, there's a lot. That team, that team was lucky to win, uh, what, two games in the World Series considering the way their season was. Go- it, 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 it's a disaster. They're, they're- How about the, the third, what was the third baseman's name? Bomb, uh, Bomb, 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 I believe it pronounces it, yeah. He's a monster. He's like six six. Like he's he's the guy that made three errors in the game earlier this year, and they caught him on the on the with the lip reading of him going, "I bleep and hate this place." <laughs> Talking about Philadelphia. <laughs> That's that sounds about right. He seemed like a, a little bit of a, a meathead, but that's like John. Yeah. Rahm, that's like John Rom calling it a bleeping putting contest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was uh, it was a fun series. Phillies needed, I thought, more pitching and uh, and more offense. Their offense kind of shut down at the last couple of games. There. Um, I do not hold a grudge against those uh, 2017 Houston Astros, but I will hold a grudge if you do not add some first cut merchandise to your closet, because as of right now and through the end of the year, which is honestly quickly approaching, it's 20% off. So here's what you need to do. If you're watching on YouTube, very, very simple. There's a QR code uh, on the screen right now. You can scan that uh, if you're listening or, you know, Hey, if you if you just want to go down to the description, there's a link there as well. Or if you want to go straight to the storefront and type in the code first cut 20, that'll get you 20% off your merch for the rest of the year. Mayakoba. Uh, it wasn't a particularly exciting Sunday, Greg. I guess it was more exciting if you're Russell Henley. It was a six-shot lead going into the final round, but it's not like a six-shot lead is particularly safe, uh, especially if your name's Russell Henley. Remember, I think it was a couple years ago at the Wyndham Championship. He had a five-shot lead on the back nine, and that did not end up becoming a victory. So he was very aware about how a multiple-shot lead can disintegrate in the blink of an eye. I yes. Think he had four or five at Sony this year too, right? When when yeah. uh, when Hideki won? He did. Maybe that's and what I'm on the back maybe nine it too. It wasn't Wyndham. Maybe maybe that's the one I was thinking of then. Okay, it might have been both. I, I didn't remember Wyndham, but it, it could have been both. But the U.S. Open at Tory, he was right there as well. Um, I think leading or co-leading heading into Sunday. Yep. Um, so he's had he's had a lot of opportunities, and he's played some really nice golf in the last couple of seasons. Um, and and it, he hasn't quite closed the deal. But watching him today, it it's surprising that he hasn't quite closed the deal because his ball striking is just so solid. You would think this guy could get in a situation where he has a lead, and when you can hit the number of fairways that he hits, I mean, he was just he, he led the field this week in in fairways hit. He hit eleven today. He hit twelve each of the first two days, um, and it, you know, first for the week, he had forty four of fifty six fairways. And he was just striping it right down the middle. And when you are the iron player that Russell Henley is, that makes things a whole lot easier when you're playing from the fairway. And now he can play smart shots into greens, which is what I thought he did all day today. And that's why it wasn't so exciting because he's hitting it flag high to 15, 20 feet all day long because that's what he had to do. Um, But that looks a lot easier. It looks a lot easier to do than it actually is. And um, and he did a really nice job of that today. He was over his last five 54 hole leads in converting them. Uh, the last one he actually finished off was the 2013 Sony Open, took his 54 hole lead, converted it to victory. KP, a uh, little shaky out of the gate, right? Pars the first four, makes bogey on five. That's a par five. That's when you're thinking, oh boy, Scotty Scheffler's flying up the leaderboard. You've got guys who have just teed off with plenty of holes in hand. That was the moment this could have gotten away. Russell Henley's answer however were three consecutive birdies on six seven and eight yeah i think so much of that is mental right because if you're a rookie out there and you haven't been in that situation before and the number one players in the world is coming at you it's easy to freak out to start trying to do too much but if you're russell henley you've been out there for what eight years now ten years whatever it is you know you have uh, 13 holes left you know you have a ton of birdie holes left. You know, you have like Trevor Umman said on the broadcast, not a lot of places where you can get into a ton of trouble out there. And you just have to, 
mentally, I think, stay patient. And he did, you know, and I, I thought that was what was he, he didn't he didn't seem to press. And I think that led to uh, such a such a blowout victory there. So I thought, uh, you know, physically, obviously, he's, he's a very gifted ball striker. Um, we talk about that a ton, but I think mentally I was pretty impressed by what he did on on Sunday to just stay patient and, and not try to get ahead of himself. The, those three birdies that he made on six, seven, and eight were the only birdies he made on the day, Greg. He played his final 10 holes at one over, which is really all he had to do. You know, we actually got a pretty a pretty good amount of like the player caddy interaction throughout that final round. And it was uh, work really hard to stay away from trouble, make pars, and you're going to win this golf tournament. You know, that is another thing that's it's such a it's such a funny aspect to the game of golf because you know, like I like I said earlier, when you just you just start hitting it to middle the middle of the green, uh, and every you start playing a little more conservative, and bogeys, easy bogeys can come up a little um, more frequently. When you play away from trouble, you may not make the doubles and the triples, or um, but you, but bogeys can creep up in a hurry. And on sixteen, he misses to the wide side off the tee. Um, he was a little worried about it going all the way through and then misses to the wide side into the green and makes a soft bogey. That that didn't happen at any other point. Um, and if it had, things might have gotten a little quick for him. And, and you could see some errors start to pile up and compile and um, you start making those kind of simple mistakes. And then you start feeling a lot of pressure. But it, he did a really nice job of executing on those uh, on the plan whatever the plan was. And that's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to do than it looks. You're looking at the flag, you're deciding to play away from it. And does, is that a conservative mindset or is it just a different target? Um, and, and that's a real challenge for players in the game of golf. And that's why we see them. We, we see leaders kind of bleed strokes sometimes like that because you change your mindset. Um, but, but I thought Russell kept it together really nicely today. Do you guys have any good Russell Henley comps? I, I was that, just looking at his like career stuff, and I was like, "This is like, who is this guy?" Yeah, well, I, I kind of agree. It's it's a it's a little bit weird because he, you know, I think when we talk about great ball strikers who can't putt, we think of guys like mm, Hideki or Morikawa, and those are guys that win a ton, right? Like they're like elite, elite ball strikers. And he's, yeah. he's kind of a tier below that. I, and I maybe, okay. Well, and, and this might just be like recency, but what about Keegan Bradley? Two guys, I had the same thought. Two, two guys that have had long careers, um, keeping their card, probably have a bunch of top tens and stuff like that. Have probably made a bunch of money. How many, I'm, I'm going to pull it out. How many career wins does, does Keegan have? And he's like a clear, just ball striker and hope to find the putter as often as you can. I think, I think they, do they both have five wins? Uh, I'll, I'll, so this is, this will, this is Henley's fourth. I'll, I'll see what Keegan has when I think Keegan has five. I, I think, think so he, too. I think Zozo was his fifth. He has five. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a major I, he, Keegan would be ahead of him, but that's, yeah, uh, it, that, it's a reasonable comparison. How many, I don't have it in front of me. Can you look up how many major top tens Keegan has? Because I looked it up earlier and, and Russell Henley doesn't have any. Uh, like Greg said, he was, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought I had his whole, uh, he has, he has one. It was actually uh, this past year uh, at the U.S. Open. Oh, Wait, at, uh, at the country club? No, I'm sorry. Jeez. This is, the, the I'm sorry. The PGA Tours website is, uh, it makes you keep clicking, click more, show more, show more. He has more than that, obviously, because he won one. Let me, let me, let me find Keegan. You. Keegan has four top tens in majors. Okay, and Henley has none. I, he, he finished. I think he's got a couple like top fifteens or or, or top twenties or whatever. But he he hasn't had. Yeah, I don't. I, it's weird because he he contended in that in that Tory U.S. Open. You know, he was. He was in the final pairing, right, Greg? Yeah. Um, I, him and Mac Hughes, right? Him, Mac Hughes. Um, who was the 36 hole? Like Richard Bland was like the 36 yes. hole? Yeah, but Bland, Bland fell out of it. There was somebody else that was. It was Hughes, I, Key, uh, Henley, 
and so somebody from guy. South Africa. Was it a South African? Was it Brandon Grace? Uh, was I, it Louis? Louis? Louis was right there yeah, towards the end. Probably was Louis, right? Because then Louis hits it into the only spot you can on hit seventeen yeah. and finish D two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I you you'd like to see Russell Henley, I think. Uh, contend or at least be around more major championships. He, he, he's, he hits it, I think well enough to, to do that. And he just, I don't know. He hasn't been, I mean, look, listen, it's, it's extraordinarily difficult for somebody who's not a superstar to contend for major championships, but he, he actually, I think has the skill set and does the things that you have to do at majors to kind of work his way into contention. So I'd love to see that for him. I, I think he's an easy guy to root for. I was actually rooting for him at the U S open uh, last year. Cause I thought that would have been kind of a cool story to, to go wire to wire there at, at Tory. But um, yeah, I, I think it's been a good, I think he has a, you know, me and uh, Patrick McDonald who writes for CBSports.com and I were talking about this today. He said, who of these three do you think has the best chance to make the Ryder cup team? Keegan, Tom Hoagie and Russell Henley. And I thought, I thought that was a really interesting question because I think all three have a better chance than people might presume just because of the bottom of the U S side is not as good as it used to be because of the guys that have left for live. And I think one of those guys could end up on, on the Ryder cup team next October. What's the answer? I, I know who I think has the best chance. I think the best chance is probably Keegan. Yeah, I agree. I think so too. Not only because um, he might be the actual best, but he he runs in those circles. Like whoever whoever it is is probably going to be a captain's pick, and yep. he runs in those circles. He gets that like fiery mentality. Greg, everybody, everybody loves a good fire, Greg. Right when you're playing at the playing at the Ryder Cup, and Keegan Keegan shows that off a bit more. Yeah, and he's got experience. If it ends yep. up if it ends up being close, um, you know Keegan is kind of an obvious choice. If those three are relatively similar. Um, but the season is long, and and so you kind of have to project who's going to have the best season of those three. Uh, a win already for Russell goes a long way, but um, Keegan has one too. So Tom Hoagie has one win on the PGA Tour. So he's got he's probably as much as I love Tom Hoagie, he's got probably the longest way to go in that group. I agree. I, I think that's my order as well. Fourth career PGA Tour victory. The others were anyone? Oh, well, he won Sony. Yeah. yeah. What year do you remember? 2013, I think I saw. That's one. Was he? He was a rookie, right? Uh, correct. Um, he won. Would he win a Honda Classic? He yeah, did. Yeah, he beat he beat Rory one year. Uh, maybe 2014. That's correct. Yep. There's two. And, um, and I think he won in Houston. Yep. What year was it, Gregors? Put a bow on it. We'll go four for four. Um, oh, it was 2017 because they said he hadn't won in five years. So that was his last one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he actually won. So rookie 2013, he won once that year, Sony, uh, then wins again the next year, Honda, uh, doesn't win until 2017 and then doesn't win again until 2023. Those are the, those are the four. It's, it seems like, man, he he's somebody that it... it and this is true of a lot of guys kind of in that 30 to 60 range in the world golf rankings, but it seems like he's won more than, than just four times. Um, he, you know, he can, he's one of those guys that just is like kind of, he'll pop up in contention on the PGA tour a lot throughout the year. Without even and, like looking it up, it feels like 25% of his, top tens are at like three courses. Like when you're like a course horse guy and it's like, Oh, Sony every year or like Houston every year. It's like, he has to have six or seven wins. It does. It does feel like that for sure. Yeah. He's in, he's kind of in a unique place where he has this, um, this skill set that like Kyle saying should be able to contend in majors. It's in a, it's a star level skill set. But he doesn't have those accomplishments, so he still plays in a lot of the events like this. Like uh, when he won the Houston Open, it was it was um, still in April, I believe, right before the Masters. But the fields, the fields at some of these great events for him that he's competing in are not necessarily 
you know, WGC type fields. It's, it's like that next level down, but he has the ability to play in, in majors and WGCs and elevated events kind of a deal. So it, it's kind of an interesting spot where he sits in the, it, in the game. It is uh, Greg. And I, and I think it's, it's, he, he, there's also some freedom to it for him. Cause he's not, criticize like a star player. He doesn't get the, I'm sure we'll talk about it, the, you know, what's going on with Colin Morikawa type thing, even though his skill set is not that far off. I mean, listen, Colin Morikawa is a better player than him, but it's like, it's not like Henley's that much worse, you know? And so he, he's almost, he flies in this weird kind of Charles Howley type uh, space where he's anonymous mostly, but he's a really good tour. I bet. It, I bet. What, what's Russell Henley? Uh, excuse me. What is Russell Henley's career earnings? Like twenty eight million. Is that your official guess? I, I have the I have the number before this one, so I can add uh, the one point five to it. If you, yeah, okay. I'll, I don't. I, I don't think less. it's that much. I'll say twenty two. I would say I was going to say twenty. Um. Okay, what was this week? One point five. So before this week, it, it was twenty million six hundred thousand. So add another like one and a half, so like twenty two is where we're at. Yeah. So there wow, we, there you go. Nice, boys. But yeah, there's a lot of freedom for the Russell Henleys of the world, of which there are not that many, to just kind of move around, be pros, contend for events, work on their swing, make a ton of money, and go to restaurants every day, which is a a pretty nice yeah. life. And, you know, a cool thing, too, in like in the DFS community and all these events, he's very frequently a high like he's a very highly priced player in the non elevated events because his game stands out. His record's usually pretty good. He usually has good course history at these places. Uh, And then he's just kind of forgotten about when he plays in majors or when he plays in elevated events. And you're you're probably right. It takes off some pressure. Uh, 45 to one or 60 to one kind of in that range for Russell Henley this week on the victory. Yeah. Probably doesn't get recognized outside of Mark seeing him at the golf course being like, Oh, Hey Russell, like that's probably the only time he gets recognized. He's he's a nice guy though. Like I I haven't been around him a ton, but he's, he's uh, super friendly and yeah, he's, he's an easy guy to root for. Not, not, that's not true of everybody out there, but it is of him. Uh, fourth PGA Tour victory for Russell Henley. Four shots over Brian Harmon. Five shots over a gaggle of golfers. The notable in that group of T3s is Scotty Scheffler. It was a Sunday 62 round of the day for Scotty. And and Greg, we, we've talked about this a lot. Um, the tee to green stuff has been elite for a year. He's lost a little bit of the putter. We don't have the strokes gain breakdown for how he did it on Sunday in Mayakoba, but uh, he's going to head to Houston next week and he's certainly going to be the favorite. Yep. And deserves to be, I, I do think there's still some really good evidence that his putter got on the right track uh, this week. 62 definitely helps. And although we don't have strokes gain data, you can look at the number of putts and the number of greens that he hit and you get a very realistic idea. So uh, just three examples I think are, are really good in the first round hits 14 greens only has 26 putts. So the point is the reason that's significant is a lot of those putts are birdie putts. If you hit nine greens of regulation, your total number of putts is likely to be lower. Um, Your first putt is going to be a lot closer um, than if you hit a lot of greens. Um, But today he hit 16 greens and has 25 putts. Mm. Uh, Yesterday hits 14 greens has 27 putts. So there it's, in all four days, he's under 30 putts, which I think is a, a really positive sign. Maybe some of that is the greens, like we talked about on Monday, Rick, where it has a tendency to level out some, you know, some guys who are a little less skilled on the greens have a chance of keeping up with their game on these kind of greens. Uh, maybe there there's some of that there, but I'm sure it did a lot for his confidence to see some go in this week. Yeah, seeing some go in. This is like Steph Curry, you know, making eight threes, and now he's going to go on a run, KP. And it's not like this slump 
has been bad for Scotty's bank account or FedEx Cup points or anything. He's just got he's got a ton of second and third place finishes. While it's the worst he's been all year, that should be relative because he's still like a top two golfer. Top two, Rory, Scotty. Yeah, it it is. He, and he said that after his round, he said, listen, I, I feel good. The game feels good. I have no reason not to believe that. I, I, <clears throat> I think it's really hard. And this is actually what Trevor Umleman was alluding to with Morikawa when he said, you're always fighting like the bar that you set for yourself if you do a lot of great things early in your career. And you can apply that theory to a season also. Scotty's fighting the bar that he set for himself in February, March, and April when he won four out of six events. I think it's crazy to think about. He hasn't won since the Masters. It feels like that's... It doesn't feel like that's true, but it but it is. Like He has not won a golf tournament since the Masters. And I, I think it's a it's a testament to, hey... You can't, you cannot only pay attention to results in golf because if you do, then you'll just be, you, you won't, you won't get the bigger picture. How's Scotty hitting it? You know, how, where's it, where's he finishing? Um, is he missing a bunch of cuts? He's hitting it great. He's finishing high and he's not missing a bunch of cuts. Now, were there a couple in there where it seemed like he was burned out? He, was he not great at the president's cup for sure? But I think overall, I don't think he's that much different of a golfer than he was in February, March, and April. It's just that he got hot with his short game at a bunch of really important venues and really important events and won all those. And we're constantly holding him to that standard throughout the rest of, of the year. Yeah, I think it's 14 events since his last win at the Masters. Absolute horrible slump for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Tough scene. Um, a couple of notables here. Greg, uh, Seamus Power, who, by the way, won last week, uh, finished T- T3 this week and now is in the top 30 in the world rankings. That's that he was on the Corn Ferry Tour uh, in May of 2020. He was going back and forth, taking the PGA st- Tour starts he could get and the Corn Ferry Tour starts he could get. It is amazing, right? And and he's kind of shown like a similar to Russell Henley, this um, very desirable skill set. And we've talked about this before too, Rick, where he, he is a guy, when you watch him, you see a great ball striker. Um, when you see it in person, it's really impressive. And he's strong and he's built for it. And he's from Ireland, so you know he can play in the wind. Um and yet, statistically, he is strong and he's built for it. Yeah, he, he well, he has the look of somebody. Do you have his, who's, do you have his bench press numbers, Greg? Um, <laughs> with the two twenty five. Yeah, how many <laughs> combine? I, what was his combine year? Remember um, when? Uh, remember when people wouldn't draft KD because he couldn't bench one eighty five? That looks that looks smart. <laughs> that was that was that was a good take. Benching one eighty five, huge part of playing basketball yeah. for sure. Uh, especially if you're you know seven feet and can run, play point guard, Just place the ball, and shoot over, shoot everybody. over anybody. <laughs> yeah, good job. Um, yeah, so I forget what his combine numbers are. <laughs> he, but he, um, my point is he looks strong. And every, everybody who sees him in person has a very similar takeaway. Rick did. Mark echoed the same things. He hits a heavy ball. He's really strong, right? But you look, <laughs> you look at him statistically, and it's a short game strength. You know, the short game seems to be a little more consistent. He leans a little more on putting and around the green. But over the last couple of seasons, at least the last season, the ball striking has started to show up. And it started to look like a guy that, you know, is playing the way he's meant to play. And and I think that's a really cool thing to see. So now you now you get a match and you end up with somebody with a complete game. Now what's the result? The result's a top 30 player in the world. Um, so very, very cool. It's a little Jimmy Walker-ish, I think. Cool. You know, the 35-year-old the kind of 
Now, whether he wins as much as Jimmy Walker did when he was 34, 35, 36 remains to be seen. But it's just it's not a category that we're used to discussing. Right. Like we discuss the 23 year old superstar a lot. We discuss the 39 year old former superstar a lot. We don't we don't have a bunch of 35 year old emerging talents, you know, that, that we're, that we're talking about a lot and, and, you know, whether it's sustainable, I think is, is up for debate, but what's not up for debate is he's putting himself into the, into the Ryder cup conversation with, you know, 10, 11 months left to go in a, in a, in an important year for Europe. And I think that's a, it, it's a cool thing for him to get to have that kind of, or at least start that kind of year in such an important uh, season for him and, and for uh, the European side. The other thing about Seamus Power, and he's just a really good example of this. And and Greg, I mean, this we see this all the time. Guys that some guys try to make professional golf work for longer than they should, right? And it's because they see Seamus Power, who goes from very little status to top 30 in the world. Yannick Paul uh was playing on the outlaw tour. Two years ago, just won on the DP World Tour like two weeks ago, and and these are examples of like my like I just I'm so close, right? Like I play with these guys. I I am I'm, I'm I'm six months away from having status and a like it's just it it would be so hard to give up the game when you see this type of stuff happen. Well, I mean, look at uh, Ben Griffin. Yeah, you know he gave he did give it up. And look at the talent that he has. Um, he eventually came back. Uh, you know, it, there's um, a uh, what do you call it? A cartoon, an image that you've seen that I've seen before, where it's like Caricature. when when do you quit? Yeah, character. Yeah, I won't try to say the rest of that, but that uh, that word. And it's a guy that's digging for um, he's he's digging for gold, and he you know the next if, if he digs one more you know, one foot deeper, he finds the gold. But if he quits now, he doesn't. You never, I guess the point is you just never quite know when, when it's going to hit for you or if it ever will. And I, I think these guys know how good they really are. I think Ben Griffin sits there in an office and says, I, this, that you can't, you, I, I can't do this. I'm too good at the game of golf. I can be playing out there with those guys. Um, and Seamus Power, I'm sure, is saying, I just haven't gotten the best of myself yet, and I'm going to. But it takes a tremendous amount of belief, and it's it's as hard as it is to um, to not give up, right? To to stay resilient and stick with the the plan when it's not going well. Uh, it's it's difficult to quit too because you don't know you know so it's a really hard balance a really hard thing to figure out uh and it's great when you see it work out in their favor i was actually thinking about this today as it relates to uh robert garrigus of all people because i was going back through some stuff from earlier this year remember when robert garrigus asked for his release for live he was like the first guy and we were like what a joke this league's gonna be he was like the trial balloon (laughs) and uh so i looked up what he's what what he's i was like what where's he been playing what has he been doing and i don't think he's made a cut since pebble in february kind of combo pga tour corn Ferry tour and I was thinking to myself as I was looking this up on the OWGR page, like, what, what, why is this guy still, what is he doing? Like, why is he still playing? And the answer is what Greg just said, right? Is, is those guys, I mean, you're talking about guys that have shot 64s in every tournament they've ever played in in their life. And they can, they can convince themselves and you have, you almost have to convince yourself and talk yourself into that. You can do that at any time to have the self-belief and confidence to even contend on the corn ferry or PGA tour or whatever. You can talk yourself into, Hey, if I shoot four straight 64s, all of a sudden I'm in the Memorial next year or whatever. And that's a, that's an alluring thing. That's a very compelling thing. And I think it's part of, part of the reason that we've all gotten so frustrated about the erasure of, of the meritocracy of, of the PGA tour, because that is a, that is a, such a unique thing to golf and to the PGA tour. And, and I don't think anybody wants to see it go away. Uh, Troy, if you could share my screen, I have that image that Greg is, uh, has referenced, which is, yeah, there you go. Just, oh, look how close he is to the diamonds there. Yeah. 
and and yeah, here comes exactly. here comes young youngster furiously digging, and he's gonna get there. But he's like, how do you how do you know when? How do you know? It could be the next. It could be the next round you play where it all clicks. I mean, not for us. There, there's a, a obvious level where you know how good you are, uh, and and you know what your potential is. I certainly don't have that. Um, I I didn't even take one swing at it, right? But but for these guys who have been competing with these players in college and have beat them and put their games up against each other's, and they see them go out and win majors. Like to go back to Ben Griffin, Ben Griffin and Colin Morikawa are competing against each other in college. And he's, he knows where he stands in relation to him. So, Hey, Keegan Bradley is another example of this. Uh, I mean, I was talking to a guy the other night uh, who is um, his friend played with Keegan at St. John's and they were having a conversation about it. And, he was Keegan was really struggling with his game, but he gets hot at the right time, gets onto the PGA tour, wins the PGA championship. And all of a sudden he feels like he belongs. And yeah. then he proves to himself that he does belong but for a long time. Uh, and, but it was like one moment and you just never know when that one moment's going to happen. Uh, speaking of Colin Morikawa, um, he ended up finishing T14, I believe is what the fuck, T15 this week, 71, 63, 68, 67. But uh, there was kind of this weird moment, I think it was yesterday, Kyle, where after his round, uh, he was asked about some comments that Trevor Immelman had made. And Trevor had kind of said, wow, he got off to this hot start. You were kind of alluding to this a little bit earlier. You got off to this hot start. And it's difficult because now that's his bar. And Colin, I think, took that as his ceiling because the quote from Colin was in part, quote, wow, that's hard to hear from him. I could care less what he says there because I don't think that's my bar, end quote. So a little mis- – Trevor was wholeheartedly um, – complimenting him and Colin almost took it as like a little bit of an insult. They've worked this out since, by the way. Yeah, it, 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 it was, a, it seemed like a misunderstanding. I mean, I, I don't know how Morikawa could look at that unless he was just misunderstanding what Trevor was saying. and think that, that it was anything but a compliment. I, I, you know, the weird part about it though, Rick was even if, <laughs> even if he thought that Trevor was saying, Hey, that is your ceiling. Well, <laughs> What yeah. what does Morikawa think his ceiling is? Right, he he won five <laughs> times in his first fifty PGA Tour events, and two of his first eight majors. Yeah, like that is for sure your ceiling because <laughs> like, that wasn't and, peak. And, and, and that's what he was saying, and and, and, it, and it's like, man, I don't know, like that. That's a pretty good ceiling. It's not a. It, that's I'm not even trying to take a shot at Morikawa. It's just that. I don't know that there's a player alive that wouldn't take. I mean, what's Rory's winning percentage? Like nine or ten? So you're saying your ceiling is is above Rory's? Okay. I mean, maybe. But then you're going to win 25% of all the majors. <laughs> That'd be sick. That would be very good. Uh, so I don't know. The whole thing was weird. I thought it was a little bit. I think Morikawa has been a little. And this happens. This is natural. It seems like he's been a little chippy this year about just everything. And I think he's it's some of that coming down from the high of being the chosen one, the golden boy, all the stuff that Spieth experienced, that Rory's experienced, that JT has experienced. JT talked about this at the Open this year as it relates to to Rory. But the same thing could be said of Morikawa. He said the hardest thing in the world to do is to win when everybody expects you to win. And I think that's a little bit of what Morikawa is experiencing now. And it's it's tough. And I think that he hasn't – I think Morikawa is going to be fine. I don't know that he's necessarily responded the best to some of those expectations, some of the – he hasn't even really gotten blowback. I mean, do, do people not like Morikawa? I don't, I don't think so. But he, but he almost acts as if – anything negative is like, Oh, well, you guys just hate me. It's like, uh, not really. I think everybody still likes you a lot. So I don't know that, that part of his year has been, uh, kind of weird, but also kind of easy to see coming. Cause it comes for everybody at some point. I agree that he has been chippy. I kind of love it. 
right? Like, okay, he, so so Greg, he's coming off. Think like let's let's recap this from from Morikawa's perspective because uh, Kyle just ran it off: ten percent win rate, twenty five percent win rate in major championships, and he was supposed to walk to the number one player in the world with a six shot lead at the Hero World Challenge, right? That that was happening. He was going to become the number one player in the world. He did not, and then he had his first year in which he didn't win on the PGA Tour. He still had a great year. I, I and I think he's due for a, another uh, for a massive year. But from his perspective, he, he probably feels like crap. Like this was the worst. This was a bad thirteen months for me, or whatever it is. And now I'm dealing with this crap from Trevor Immelman. It's like easy to have this little misunderstanding. But I like it, man. I, he's fired up. I, I love this. Um, the one thing that would give me concern, and it's not long term concern at all. But usually when you misunderstand something like this uh, and you respond in that way, it, you're, there's something else going on. You're stressed about something else, whether it's his golf game or, you know, it, some, something is usually going on that leads to a response like that. Um, you think about a relationship you have with, you know, your wife. And she says something that you're you're worried about something else and you don't understand what she's saying and you don't take it. You don't respond as uh, calmly or accurately as you would like to because there's something else on your mind and you're distracted. Uh, I was stressed calmly to my wife. (laughs) That's not true. No, uh, there are there are always those moments you say, wow, I that hasn't. But the point is, it has nothing to do with you. I took something out on you that was bo- something else is bothering mm-hmm. me and I took it out on you, uh, however small it may be. So that was the first thought that came into my head with this. Like he, he misunderstood it uh, and it, it bothered him more than I would have expected. <laughs> you know, I, I never have seen Colin Morikawa in a light where um, what other people say is going, going to uh, affect him at all. He, he has always seemed really confident in his vision and his direction uh, in the progress that he makes in his game. And, and I think it's led to a lot of the answers that we've always heard from him. I, I think there's truth to that. It's a, it's a method that he trusts and believes in. And it's taken some questions for the first time this year, taken a little bit of uh, a little bit of heat. He, he lost his ball flight. So it's at one point you care so much about the results. And I think it's a great thing that he could lose his fade and contend in the U S open. That Mm -hmm. speaks to his ability level to me, but he's feeling frustrated about that. Um, No question. But I think that, I mean, what you're saying is exactly what Immelman was alluding to, right? Which is, hey, when you don't hit the bar that you feel like you've set for yourself, you're going to be frustrated and it's going to, it's going to, it's going to compound and end up with exactly what we got, which was more cow popping off about something that was benign, that was innocent, that was nothing, you know? And I think that he almost, it was strangely, he almost proved Immelman right by reacting the way that he did. Right. Right. Which yeah. is, yes, that's exactly right. Um, there's uh, Kyle tweeted out the link to the, uh, I think you find it on golf channel, that interaction. If you want to kind of see the context and, and, and the way he reacted to it, kind of, kind of interesting. Um, okay. Any other notable final thoughts here? So Aaron wise finishes T 15, uh, Victor Hovland in his, uh, three peat attempts, uh, valiant effort T 10. That was 65, 69, 66, 68. And you finished seven shots off the lead. That's, that's kind of a tough scene. Any final thoughts on, on Maya Koba here? Uh, Hovland's lost to nine of like 396 guys over the last three years of this tournament, which is, seems good. So, uh, you know, I'm with you on, I, I think one of those two guys, Hovland or Morikawa is in for kind of a, a pretty special 2023. I'm curious to see who it is, but, uh, I think those guys are, are primed for, for next year. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Uh, okay. Here's what we're going to do. So we broke this up a little bit differently. The next block will recap all the bets. And then the, the block after that, we've got some Tiger Woods stuff, uh, believe it or not. And we'll look forward to the Houston open for a minute. So first, uh, before we get to the bets, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. 
It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. And we're back. The wagers. Okay. I finally got wiped here. I was having a great year. I lost everything. Tom Hoagie did not beat Taylor Montgomery in a matchup. Hayden Buckley did not finish inside the top 10. Victor Hovland and Brendan Todd did not win. And Justin Lauer had a sour weekend to cost me my top 40. So Greg, I, uh, it took seven or eight weeks here in the fall. I'm still up for the, for the fall, but there's the red across the board for me. Yeah. And I like, I like where you went with your plays there. Um, I definitely can see the logic behind all of them. I, I really like the angles. It's just disappointing that, you know, you didn't see Russell Henley coming. Oh, um, you know, that's the that's the one thing. Oh, quiet win for him, by the way. But I, I love the Hayden Buckley play. And he played well um, for the yeah. most part. First I like two- the Tom Hoagie play. <laughs> Uh, and, and Victor Hovland is an, is an obvious and one of those outright spots. Um, and Todd, the Todd father fits the, fits the golf course so perfectly. So look there, uh, there's too much red on there, but it's really good stuff. Uh, saves though by Patrick and Kyle KP. We'll look at Patrick's card first here because, uh, we've been keeping track of the days without a win. We can, we can wipe that one clear because he had himself a nice little week. Joel Damon over Harris English that cashed Russell Henley. Uh, he saw coming but didn't give him enough credit just the top 20 at plus 230 but uh patrick had circled russell and, and made a wager on it yeah, yeah it's a good great call i mean he's he's an easy guy to pencil in for a top 20 and we should probably do it more often but uh you know good to see patrick not have just it's like those those uh have you guys seen those memes where it's like it's been zero days since so-and-so you know messed up or you know, whatever yes. It's been zero days since since uh, since Patrick lost a or how am I trying to say that since he won a bet. So we're 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 back in the right direction. Well, yes. the good news is that Tom Kim wasn't playing. <laughs> yes, that helped. yes, yeah, that did help. That always helps him. He doesn't have to make any just absurd decisions related <laughs> to Tom Kim. <laughs> uh, KP, your your biggest wager, which is your matchup wager, that's the fifty bucks. Uh, Lee Hodges over Step Straka, cash it. Yes, sir. Yep. No problem there. Your finishing position, uh, oh. gut worthy. Okay. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. So, Nick Hardy 
to finish inside the top 20 at plus 280. Nick Hardy was having a day. Okay. He got to eight under through 13 today alone. Bogeyed 14, 15, and 16 to finish T21. No, Kyle. That's it's that's tough to to look at. If he makes par on any of those three holes, yeah, he's inside the top 20. So again, I, I don't regret it i thought it was a good i thought it was a good number good call and he just uh just came up one one shot one shot short which is uh part of the deal um we will oh our money balls we lost all these so justin lauer top 40 was mine uh he did not play well on the weekend he dropped outside of that colin morikawa to finish inside the top five at four to one for patrick colin finished i believe it was t 15 um and then tom hoagie inside the top 20 for kp hoagie i was pretty heavily or kp i was pretty heavily invested in tom hoagie as well 66 on thursday 73 on friday missed the cut yeah i missed the cut that was disappointing uh, producer troy do you have our our overall betting performance or do we are we against oh here we go okay so i'm okay so rick you're carrying us per the usual <laughs> and man it's just so hard when you lose almost every like it's almost unfair to look at this until like 20 tournaments in when you've had a better chance to win one of the outrights right we have not had an outright winner yet yeah so that that is definitely right it's 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 tough when we i think this is what week seven or something like that week eight uh to not to not have an outright is is tough and we're just trying to float until we find them Cause I don't, I don't love outrights. I like if I, if, if I had to, like, if I was using my real money here, which maybe I am, but if I was, I would not, I would not pick a bunch of outrights like we're doing. I would, I, I love the top twenties, top forties. Cause I feel like I'd have a better chance of knowing, I mean, they don't pay as much, but I know, I sort of know what I'm getting. I've been loving the top 40s. Um and they've been pretty good. Uh the last couple of weeks I think were were bad weekends, but like the top 40s are listen, it's so hard. It's so hard to find a guy who's going to beat 99% of the field. Especially when you're only like, it'd be different if you had if you were sprinkling on like 12 of them, right? Right. But it's two and it's it's that makes it tough. So um yeah. Anyway, I, I'm just rambling now, but that's okay. Uh, we can ramble a bit on Tiger Woods and the Houston Open because uh, another match is coming. So we're going to hit that on the other side. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. The match parts six. Does that sound right? Five, I think six. that's right. Six. No, it's at least six. It might be seven. Uh, it might be seven. The match six. And Greg, this is, uh, this is a biggie here. So yeah. That's what you've heard of these guys. Um, Tiger... Seven. Tiger seven, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy will play Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Uh, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a really good one. Um, are you surprised by the pairings at all? Are those like, the, like, is that the official? We know that the, that's how they're paired. 
The only reason I thought that is because um, I believe I don't want to say his name wrong, but I believe it was Jeff Sherman who is the VP of the Superbook, the the sports book here in Las Vegas, and I thought that he tweeted out odds. He did. So he has to win outright, and they're both minus 110. And he he lumped them as Rory and Tiger versus Spieth and Thomas, and they are taking action on that. So I'm I'm going to say they are official yeah. enough for the sports book. For the I think book. that I think those I think it makes sense that those would be the the matchup or the pairings. Right. Especially because the new Tiger and Rory, you know, like this is there there is obviously like the corporate side of all of this, right? You put yes, Tiger and Rory right. together, they're gonna do their branding stuff going forward, and then it's natural to put Spieth and uh, JT best buds together. Yeah. yeah. It's a big deal though. I mean, it's your top four, it's your top four guys. And whatever took place in that meeting, um, I mean, and I'm not saying top four guys, top best best four players, but I, I would argue that these are your top four most popular players on the PGA tour. Um, and they seem to be the guys that carry most of the favorite player names. So it's a, yeah, it's a big match and it's another sign that these PGA tour players are kind of putting their, um, they're putting their heads together and they're trying to come up with ideas to make this really successful and to grow their brand. That is the PGA tour. Um, and this is a really cool way to do it. December 10th, under the lights, it's unique. It's um, it, it's definitely a, a twist in the way that we have typically done things in the game. Yeah, they're, th- these are, uh, I don't know if evolving is the right word. They're trying different things, Kyle. December 10th, as, as Greg mentioned, Pelican Golf Club, that's in Florida. Under the lights, it's going to start at 7 o'clock at night, 7 p.m., and it's it's that 12-hole format. There is this There is this battle when you only have four guys on the golf course, which I think should be more, um, to figure out the right combination of holes and things to do to engage throughout what is probably going to be like two or two and a half hours. Yeah, I think 12 has been a good number. They've used it for the last, what, two at least, maybe maybe more, maybe three so the six are Phil Tiger was the first one. Second one was Tiger and Peyton against Phil and Brady. Third one was Phil and Barkley against Steph and Peyton. <laughs> yeah. And then you had Bryson and Aaron Rodgers against Phil and Brady. Then you had Brooks against Bryson. And then the most recent one was uh, Brady and Rodgers against Josh Allen and, and Mahomes. Uh, I know that I know that at least going back to Brooks Bryson, they've been 12 holes. <laughs> And I think 12 is a good number. I, first of all, I don't need Tiger out there for 18, you know, for a, for a charity exhibition type thing. Um, but I think you, you, it keeps, it keeps everything in a window that is palatable. You know, when it starts flowing into like four hours and 15 minutes of exhibition charity golf, you're like, okay, like I, I think I, I think I get what we're doing here. Like, I don't, I don't know if I need four hours of it. And when it, when it's tight like that, I think it makes it more competitive at the beginning. Guys talk more throughout. I, I, I think, I mean, it seems like it forces them. They're not saving anything for later. They just start firing stuff off at the beginning. So I, I like the, if, if we're going to do these things, I like the 12 hole format. I like keeping it a little bit shorter. I like the nighttime. I think that'll be fun. And you know, I hope, I hope JT pops off as much as it seems like he does normally with Tiger and Rory and those guys. I think, <laughs> I think he is kind of the, uh, he's kind of the X factor with that with that crew because he could really stir it up a little bit. George Spieth won't. He'll be, you know, his his uh, milk toast self for most of it. He'll do some crazy stuff, start yelling about the wind or whatever. But uh, excuse me, JT has a, has an opportunity to to really make that, the, that foursome pop a lot. This, this franchise, the match, this is, the, you know, via Turner sports, right? The, like where does this, there's a chance these stop at some point, right? I mean, if, if we're going to go to this TGL thing, Greg, which is supposed to start in January of 2024, which is Tiger and Rory in a simulator slash arena style setting where you can seemingly get a lot more shots in a lot shorter time and also bring in PGA Tour players. Maybe there's a relationship to be made with the people that that broadcast the match right now, but it feels like, to me, those are going to start to get phased out if this, if this Rory and Tiger thing becomes more popular yeah and this one will be 
interesting to see how it does. Um, I mean, I don't know what they've done from a financial side of things. I don't know if they've found these to really work, but I don't think they've generated the buzz that we would have hoped in the past. Um, Tiger and Phil did for obvious reasons. It was Tiger and Phil and it was for a lot of money, but it kind of, they wanted to kind of come off of that a little bit. Um, at medalist when it was Tiger and, um, the Brady one that was very interesting because it was during COVID, right? It was during a time when we didn't have golf. It was a perfect yeah. spot for it, but ultimately they've been just kind of okay. Um, but the cool part about this one is that it's four golfers. The question is going forward: Are you going to have the same four golf? If this is a huge hit, are you going to have the same four golfers every time? Uh, I don't know. Are there other guys that can fill this role um, and, and, and draw the same eyeballs? I don't know. So Rick, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised at all if it phased out and went into the TGL thing. Yeah. I mean, Turner just might, whatever the relationship was with the match, whether it's broadcast, they just might broadcast TGL and say, okay, well the match doesn't necessarily need to exist anymore. We have this, right? We have a Monday night league. Cool. Even better. So we'll yeah. See. And they would never even have to announce that. Right. You just it's not like they have a schedule going forward and right. we have to have our matches announced by next year. They just right. announce, yeah, we're gonna have one in December. They just tell us a month in advance what's gonna happen and we say, okay. Right. Yeah, and right. I, I'm interested to see if I, I, I don't I don't know. Some people have been kind of anti the match and I think that I understand why, but I think they're I think they're fine. I think for what they are, if you're doing them once or twice a year, it might so I always use either my son or my dad as like a barometer for this stuff. Right. And my son, when Brady and Rogers are playing Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, is he interested in watching that? Yes. Because he loves Brady and Mahomes and you know, all those guys. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I wonder if, I think my question with this is, does the match evolve into non golfers and the golfer thing just goes to the to tgl like do you get steph and mike trout against bryce harper and josh allen because again is my son interested in that hell yes and while it's not great golf to watch it's these things are not really about the golf they're more about the interaction right and so if you have good interaction and good banter and good you know, Bar- having Barkley on them is, I think, paramount to their success because he, he he's like half the entertainment. It's not, I'm not watching the match to see like great golf shots. I'm watching it because I want to laugh and just enjoy something that's on TV as, as a fan. I'm obviously watching it because I'm covering it. But I, I think that I'm interested to see if it evolves beyond golfers into the future because of the the TGL, which starts January 2024. Uh, also bring back the slime cup. Let's go. Who's going <laughs> to defend that crown? All right. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, right, our points, baby. <laughs> we are. Yeah, we are. We're headed to Houston <laughs> and the penultimate event of the season. Uh, Houston, then RSM. How about this one? I got to, uh, maybe I'll tweet Justin Ray and see the last time this happened. At least the last four Houston winners, Greg are not playing. Because wow, yeah, right. That's wait, wait. Uh, Yeah, let's do it. Well, one of them's Lanto, and he's hurt. He had disc surgery. He is out. That is one of them. Um, Wait, who won it? Is did Lanto win it last year, Greg? No, no. Won it. Twenty twenty season, twenty nineteen year. The first year they flipped it to the fall. Yeah, and was that the COVID Masters year? No, year before. Okay. Okay. Uh, didn't Brooks, did Brooks win it one year? No, but no. Brooks was uh, part of the redesign with Tom. Duke. DJ. Nope. Somebody at live Abe answer. I no you answer. Should, you should go down the live route here. Um, uh, Poulter. Yes. Poulter won it the year before Lonto did. Okay. That was when it was in the spring. Okay. So that counts in there. Yeah. That was the, that was when he beat Bo Hostler, I think. Yeah. To get into the masters. So yeah. two, the, two, the two most recent winners is who we're missing. Yeah, this is oh, a somebody always, just, uh, somebody just put it in the chat. So I need to not guess anymore. <laughs> uh, Greg, have you been spoiled on this yet? No, I wish I had. 
because I I'm just blank. I'm completely blanking on it right now. I forgot about both of these, to be honest. Jason Kokrak. Wait, oh, who, okay. Who, yeah. Won like three times in 18 starts if you count uh QBE shootout, I think. And uh Carlos Ortiz. Oh, that's right. Last year. Yeah. Ah, I hate when I I thought Kokrak was last year. Kokrak was last year. And oh, Ortiz, and was, Ortiz was before the Masters. I just, it was it was Ortiz and uh, I think DJ were in it or Brooks or somebody. Yeah, right before that's the right. Masters. I don't think that was before the Masters. I think Ortiz's win because they. I think Lanto's was the first year they flipped it to the fall, and then Ortiz won after Lanto, and then Kokrak won most recently. I'm like uh, right, but the Masters, the Masters was in November, was in the uh, fall. on the do- yes, so it was. Hey, it Kyle, so you're right. To, it was a week. Before. It is so hard to keep track of all of this. That is absolutely. Yeah. I apologize. That is absolutely. Right. I, I was, I was, I was like kind of. Like, I was like, well, Rick definitely knows this stuff better than. I, I forgot I the Masters was in November. <laughs> because it, it was or, before the Masters twice, right? I mean, how just, about, sometimes in April and sometimes right. and one time yeah. in November. Right. How about uh, how about this? Carlos Ortiz finished first that year. Uh, T2 was Hideki with DJ. Fourth was Taylor Gooch and T5 was Brooks Kepka. It's a good board. Pretty strong. Uh, it's a so, live board. So, so there you go. So three... Uh, three are at live. One is injured. So the last four champions have not, will not play. And Russell Henley is the fifth. So if Russell Henley <laughs> says, you know what? I just won. I'm going to take a week off. We could have the last five champions not be there, which I feel like has got to be incredibly rare. Yeah, absolutely. Incredibly sure. rare. And then if you go back, so Jim Herman was 2016. He's he's in the field. I checked. I checked that one because what's the one after that? Because the other one after that, I think, is also a live guy. Uh, Matt Jones is 2014, but JB Holmes is 2015. JB okay. Holmes is probably not in the. F- Holmes is not in the field, and obviously Matt Jones is not in the field. So if somehow Henley withdraws because he just won, and Herman, I don't know. I'm not going to wish anything ill on Jim Herman. Decides not to play. What's that? Seven or eight in a row? Well, you go DA points 2013. He's probably not in it. Hunter Mahan, he's not in it. Phil, Anthony Kim, he's definitely not in it. <laughs> Paul Casey, he's not there. And then Johnson Wagner, Adam Scott, Stuart Appleby, VJ Singh, Fred Couples. Okay, DA you, points you, have, not- you could have no champions. We could have no past champions in the field. Yeah. Is Johnson guys, Wagner it hinges on two guys. <laughs> uh, Johnson Wagner is not in the field. Wow. Yeah, so Herman and Henley. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I thought you guys would like that one. Uh, all right, anything else before we get out of here? That's nope. all for me. Yeah, it's a quiet, quiet golf week. Um, Houston DFS preview Monday, Mega Preview Pod Tuesday, Sunday Roundup on, obviously, Sunday of next week. Big thanks to producer Troy doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Greg Ducharme available on Twitter at the real GFD. Kyle Porter can be found at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the Men's Sunday Performance Jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.